Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Am I actually using this collection to its full potential? Am I appreciating it, honouring it? Or is it really just stuff that I'm holding on to that's actually not getting used at all? Considering we are talking about abundance clutter, is this the appropriate time to mention hoarding toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome. This week we're talking about the five types of clutter. We'll chat about how our stuff relates to our identity, the hold items have over us, and the simple questions to let go of items that we no longer use, love, or need. But before we get into today's episode, I firstly just want to do a little bit of a quick shout out to those of you who have been rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It really makes all the difference to people finding us and hearing about us and when they open their podcast app. And we just really, really appreciate it. Some of the things you've been saying, they're so lovely and they're so kind and we are doing this podcast to help you. So thank you so much for the feedback you're giving us and please continue to do it. If you haven't had a chance yet, we'd love you to jump on over to Apple Podcasts in your um, app and you just write a rating and review and send it off and um, we'll get it and we'll give you a little shout out on our social media as well. Yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time that you're taking to listen, subscribe and leave a rating and review. And if you've got a friend or a family member who you think would be interested in Little Home Organised, we'd love you to show them how they can get it in their ears on their smartphone as well. So thank you very much. So today's all about clutter, but firstly, what is it? So clutter is basically anything that gets between you and the life you want. It's kind of that excess stuff. Yes, and that's a saying that a a very famous organiser, Peter Walsh, has said that clutter is the thing that gets between you and the life that you want. And I think it's very true. Like it is really stuff that is getting in the way and you can't find what you need or you can't get dressed on time or your keys are lost or, hey, mum, I've lost my socks and how do I get dressed for school? So stuff only becomes clutter when it's actually impacting you in such a negative way that your life is not actually going as smoothly as it would be if you didn't have all this stuff in the way. And I like that um, saying that you kind of refer to, Bonnie, as, as clutter. Like every time there's, there's an item in your house, view it as instead of viewing it as an item, you view it as a task. So the more clutter we have in our lives, the more time that we have to spend on those things. Mm. So we become time poor. And so it gets to a point in our life where clutter just isn't, serving us when we have too much stuff but it depends on who you are because that's the other thing about clutter one person's clutter is not clutter to another person they um, some people are comfortable living with certain amount of stuff around them and some people are not yes and I think that's a really important point to make is that everybody has different standards so um, we hear this all the time when we tell people we we help people declutter and organize everybody says oh I've got this great aunt Mildred she so needs you and I think, yeah, that's great, but she probably doesn't think that she needs us and she's probably quite happy living the way that she's living. And unless they're in a situation where 
The stuff is affecting how you feel. Yeah, unless she's in a situation where she's unsafe because, you know, there's goat tracks and piles of stuff. Like there there literally have been people who have been buried alive under their stuff. Like it's mm. it's it's a it's really sad when you get to that scale of things. Don't put your expectations or your or your standards on someone else's. Don't think, hey mum, hey dad, you guys aren't living like minimalists like we are. You should declutter. Because if they don't feel that it's a problem or it's not affecting the way that they go about their daily life, well, then it's not a problem. And don't put your expectations upon someone else. For sure. So the stuff that we have, it becomes clutter when we think about how it makes us feel. So if we can't find things and we're becoming frustrated, that is obviously an issue. Yes. And another way that clutter can affect us, and this is a way that you know that clutter is starting to become a problem in your home, is that when we have disagreements or there's tension about it. Well, there was that Choosy report back from 2017, and there's some really interesting statistics in it all about clutter. And one of them was that one in nine relationships, clutter ends up having a long-term effect and contributes towards the reasons for divorce. One in nine I know, based that's, on clutter. That's that a lot. Cr- that was crazy to me to yeah. read that. Yeah, it really is actually. And I think that report also talked about how more than 40% of people said that they've argued. It's not even just there's a bit of tension. They have literally fought with each other about someone's clutter. Yes. And if that's you and you feel like you would like to get a little bit more organised, we suggest that you head over to our website, littlehomeorganised.com.au and download our organising cheat sheet. It's a great place to get started. Five simple steps that will help you organise any and every space in your home. It affects our relationships when we're, you know, fighting, as we said, but also it affects us when we can't have people over. Or as you mentioned, in extreme cases, it's unsafe. And it it doesn't have to be unsafe in the sense that it, you know, thinking of the most drastic end of the scale where we have, you know, the goat tracks or animal feces and things like that in the house. But is your home safe enough for small children? Yes. If you're a grandparent or going to be a grandparent soon, can you actually have your grandchildren over? Is the floor clutter-free enough that they can lie down on it as babies? Is it clean enough that a new parent, because you're a first-time parent, you know how... No, <laughs> I'm not a classic first-time mum. I don't worry about anything. No, yes, you know, I do. Yeah. I, th- I thought the same when I was a first-time mum. Oh, no, I know I'm not. I know I am. <laughs> and now I'm a third-time mum and I think, yeah, why did I worry about all that stuff? But you just... As, as you're going in the moment, that's that's your experience, that's your knowledge and that's what you go with. But as a grandparent, if you're having people, if you're having um, small children over, you know, do you know where all the hazards are in your house? Because if you have a lot of stuff, you mightn't realise that something that is hidden there that a child no doubt will find mm. is a hazard. Think of those moments when your kids were small and you saw them grab something or pull something out and you thought, well, they shouldn't have that. Mm. It's not that we're intentionally, you know... Creating unsafe places. No, it's just life happens. And so the more stuff that you have around you, it makes it harder to keep things safe. And so there's many things, there's many ways that our stuff can become clutter and it's no longer serving us. And so today let's talk more about that. And um, I think first things first is we have to talk about the different types of it and explain that a little bit further. Yes. So we've identified with Little Miss Organised that there are five different types of clutter. And 
Look, there are items that will fall under more than one category. So let's just put that caveat out there. Don't think that it only falls under one and not another because often they do come across a multiple of categories and that's okay. So there's five types of clutter and we'll go into them in a bit more detail. So there's useful, Mm -hmm. an abundance of stuff, Mm -hmm. homeless, aspirational and sentimental. So first things first, let's start with useful clutter. Okay, so useful clutter is always first because – This is the excuse we hear the most often when we um, are helping someone declutter. Oh, I might use this one day. Yes, you might. But unless you've got six hands, you can't use six hammers at once. So a great example of this might be something like, let's say that you subscribe to a magazine. How old school? And (laughs) this magazine arrives and it comes with a free lipstick and you don't wear lipstick. Lipstick is useful but in your house, it doesn't make sense because you don't even wear it. You so, might have an allergy to lipstick. So this lipstick has no place in your house. Mm. So it becomes clutter if you hold on to it because you might think, oh, it's a great lipstick. I don't wear lipstick, but I can't let it go to waste. I can't throw it in the bin. You might not know where to donate it to or have anyone in your network that might like it. So you hold on to it. It's like you become- Because it's a cust- useful item. Yes. You become the custodian. Yes. <laughs> the lipstick custodian. Yes. The cosmetic custodian. Oh, I like Ooh, that. Alliteration. <laughs> so another example of useful clutter might be say, oh, let's use our dad as an example. Let's throw dad under the bus. Many, <laughs> many years ago, dad used to make these amazing rocking chairs out the of- The rocking horses. Oh, sorry. Rock, uh, it's a, it was a sheep, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, well, rocking sheep. Sorry. Rocking sheep. Well, no one's going to know what that means. So what you said made yeah. much more sense. Um, but it's a rocking- Animal. (laughs) An animal that rocks. Anyway, so dad made these and you need specific tools for it. Mm. Now, even though one day uh, he doesn't make them anymore. So he, but there are specific tools that you need to make it. So if he was still holding onto the tools to make that, that would be an example of, it's a useful tool. It's useful for that job. But if you're not planning to ever do it again, and it's not a part of your like daily life or even when you do have time to do your hobbies, if you don't use it, it's useful, but it's clutter because it's not serving a purpose. And that's a really good example to uh, talk about the past, present, future strategy. And this is a strategy that you can apply in this example where making that rocking sheep was part of dad's past. And so the tools made sense back then, but it's not part of his present and he's not planning to do it again in his future. So it becomes clutter. Much to my dismay. (laughs) I know. I really want him to make Now that you have kids. I know. (laughs) Uh, You know what? He could pick it up again. You never know. And the thing is, he can get those tools again. It's not like they've disappeared off the face of the earth. This is the advantage of living in the age of technology where we've got, you know, Gumtree in Australia. We've got a Facebook marketplace. You know, if something isn't serving you anymore... You sell it, things are affordable Mm. and 10 years down the track, if you want that item again, you will be able to get it affordably. Yes, this is, this is very true. So useful clutter is all about the items that have use. And you might be someone who is a prolific seminar junkie Mm. and you get lots of free notepads and they're really useful, but you've got lots of them and you're not going to be able to use all of them. And it's hard because you're like, oh, this has a use, but that doesn't mean it's what you need in your life, in your house. Exactly. And so number two that we're going to talk about is abundance clutter. And this is where we're talking about multiples of things. So this is where collections can come into it Mm. because people will say to me, oh, well, it's a collection. 
oh, well, that's fantastic that you have a magazine collection. But if it's all getting stored up in boxes in a dusty old garage where they're actually falling apart. And you're not getting to enjoy them. And you're not enjoying them or no one's enjoying them. Well, I think it's actually just clutter, abundance clutter rather than a collection. So there's that fine line between am I actually using this collection, for example? Um, Am I using it to its full potential? Am I appreciating it, honouring it? Or is it really just stuff that I'm holding on to that's actually not getting used at all? And you're going to hear us saying it time and time again (laughs) throughout this whole episode is, you know, oh, I might use it or just in case. And it applies to all these types of clutter is the reasons that we hang on to it are valid, but then we need to shift our perspective and think, okay, just because it's valid doesn't mean it's right for me. Yes, this is exactly true. And so with these multiples, this abundance clutter, I want you to think in terms of your books. Do you have more books than you could ever actually read? Do you have more DVDs than you could ever actually watch? That's a really common one. Do you have more craft than you could ever actually craft with? This is when things that are useful become abundance clutter because we just have far too many of them. And there is a difference too. Like if you're someone like, let's throw mum under the bus. We threw dad under, let's bring her into it as well. Why not? (laughs) So mum has a craft room and she's got lots of different fabrics and things in there for quilting and sewing. And she makes lots of stuff for her grandkids. And shout out to mum. We really love it. We really appreciate it. She actively goes through that stuff and doesn't really hold on to excess in that space because she actively uses it. Mm. And so I think that you can have a multiple different types of fabrics provided that there's not so many that you never use them or there's not so many that you don't even know what you have to be able to use it? Yes. So it's it's about having them organised in such a way that you can access them when you need them, but also knowing I can't keep two cupboards full of fabrics because there's no way in my lifetime I'll be able to get through them all. Or I just simply don't have the space. Yeah, and often we have we can keep things but not realise that by keeping them and not actually using them, they're degrading in their quality. It's it's a bit like when you buy clothes from a lot of the big chain stores. If we um, keep them in storage because you know, we might be having another child or we want to pass them on to someone else or or we want to keep them for our grandkids, often the clothes are not made of a high enough quality that they'll actually last. Mm-hmm. And so by storing them rather than donating them, someone else has missed out on that opportunity to get some more wear out of that item. Instead, we just left it in a box and it just kind of disintegrated to a point where no one can actually get anything out of it anymore. Considering we are talking about abundance clutter, is this the appropriate time to mention hoarding toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) Toilet paper gate? Oh, goodness me. No, let's not go down that road. But I would say the one thing about um, the the whole toilet paper thing is, uh, oh, I'm always going to need toilet paper. I should... It's on sale. I'm going to buy 10 bulk packets of it or there's a pandemic. (laughs) Let's just say there's a pandemic. Mm. But if you do that, it's clutter when you can't fit it in your storage cupboard. Yes, yes. You know, like, so this is where we've got to weigh things up about having, oh, I'm going to have five pens that fully function Mm. um, in my desk drawer versus 30 pens that all function, but now my desk is cluttered and I can't fit other things in the space. Yes, this is true. And I'm thinking when you said toilet paper, don't have so much that you could never actually use it before it runs out or because you've got too much, you know, you don't have enough space. Yeah, or you've got nowhere to store it. So our next type of clutter is homeless clutter. 
Yes. And homeless clutter is all the items in your house that you've never given a home to. So these are the things that just float around and you can never find them because you've never actually given them a home. It's like they're on perpetual holiday, but they never actually stop and make a home anywhere. The holiday from hell. It is a holiday from hell. So I guess I can relate to homeless clutter a little bit when I do my shifting of things, when like I put yes. them down and then move it to another place, shuffler. to another place. I'm a shuffler, yeah. Put it down. But if it doesn't have a designated home it's and you're trying to deal with it, you just end up like, you know, moving it all around. But it, ne- it needs somewhere to live. It needs somewhere to be organised. So think of the classic um, batteries in your junk drawer. Yes. They just kind of roll around. Yes. We all know that junk drawer. We've all got one. Oh, well, hopefully don't. not. Of course you don't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a bit weird if I did, I suppose. Yeah. Well, no, it would just make you um, normal. more normal. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean I'm abnormal? I mean, we haven't really got much time to go into that one. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave that for a therapy session. Yeah, eh? let's do that. <laughs> but yeah, homeless clutter is those floating things. So think about, um, let's say you have a designated space for your shoes, but you have so many shoes that there's an overflow of shoes that are just in and around the house. So maybe you have some shoes when you walk into your house, some shoes that are at the back door, some shoes that are you flicked off when you walked into your bedroom, some that are actually in the shoe cupboard, um, some that are in boxes. You know, that's where those items, they all should have one home and they don't. And so that's when your house can start to feel cluttered because there's things that are kind of everywhere but don't really have the proper designated home because the home that you've assigned for it or the space that you're currently just using for it doesn't actually fit all the stuff. And then, you know, you've got systems in your house where you flick things off here, there and everywhere. So your shoes just end up everywhere. Mm, Yes. So think of like your unopened mail as well. If you don't have a system for your paperwork, uh, go and listen to our paperwork episode if you haven't got a system for paper. But when that unopened mail just gets plonked on the bench or – you know, a flat surface as you walk past because flat surfaces are magnetic, if you didn't know that already. That's homeless clutter because you we, haven't given it a home anywhere. We have a crock pot that we've just made a home for, which is a perfect example of homeless clutter. So it was something that was useful. We like to do slow cooking, but we didn't have a designated space for it in the kitchen. We put, we brought it out of our storage room of doom and it ended up sitting in a really odd spot in like the dining room area on the floor for a couple of weeks because we just couldn't find a spot for it, but we didn't want to take it down back downstairs because we knew we wanted to use it more regularly now it was winter. Mm. And then last weekend we finally went, no, nah, let's make a space for it. And it actually fits in a cupboard now nicely. So it's no longer homeless and it's no longer, you know, an eyesore for me. Can I just broach something for you? And this this may feel like I'm sharing too much of your personal life, but oh, here we go. I think it's really important for people to know you're currently sharing a kitchen with another couple. You're sharing it with your in-laws. So you have to make sure that you are making decisions as the four of you about how space in that kitchen is used. Yes, because it's their home. Yes. So you're the invaders. You yes. need you need to be <laughs> you need to be courteous. And that's why the crock pot has sat on the floor for a few weeks until space could is be it made. really courteous that I'm putting the crock pot on the floor. Probably not. <laughs> Bring my crap upstairs. <laughs> it's your not so subtle way of saying I want this in the kitchen somewhere. <laughs> I think it was more that I just couldn't I didn't want to commit to taking it downstairs because I knew I had to mm. I had to do something with it. And then I was like, "Oh, it's fine to live here." And then after a few weeks I was like, "It's not fine to live here. My son is about to start crawling." And mm. that's what we're doing at the moment. We're totally um trying to get into the mindset of grandparent house small baby 
and yes. making everything safe for him. But I digress. Um, <laughs> let us, uh, you know what, let's take a break. Let's do a clutter confession. Yes, let's do it. Clutter confessions. <laughs> My clutter confession is I have a drawer full of old phones. And you might be thinking, oh, yeah, he's got a couple of old iPhones. No, I've got six iPhones all the way from the iPhone 1 to a couple of iPhone 3GSs. I've got an iPhone 6 and an iPhone 7. I've got two HTCs, an M8 and an M9. I've got a Samsung Galaxy 8 Plus, And that's just the ones I haven't thrown out. I like how he really knows exactly what he's got. There was an iPhone 1. I guess there would have to have been an iPhone 1. I mean, the only one I heard about was the 3. That was the first one I got. So I'm thinking... Maybe it's worth something now. (laughs) Yeah, like what did I miss out on? Oh, isn't that interesting? Like the way some of us keep technology like that? Yeah, some people are really keen on honouring the creative genius of things like that. And especially as an Apple user myself, there are a lot of people who like really love and celebrate the cool things that Apple has done over the years. I mean, I feel like, yeah, the technology that they've created has definitely changed our lives for the better in many ways. Oh, it definitely has. But isn't that interesting? I wonder what he's planning on doing with all of those phones one day. Is he going to donate them to a museum or have a museum himself? Yeah, his own little museum in his his bedroom drawer. (laughs) Yeah, because I actually had a client years ago who was also a tech person and had this amazing amount of tech stuff downstairs like computers and typewriters and all these old devices that he wanted to keep an honor but you know they were just getting all kind of dusty and dirty and stuff but yeah it was a cool thought yeah it's it's, something cool about the time the the stamp in time that they represent Mm, yeah that's really true oh that's cool all right so we're talking about the five types of clutter we've already talked about useful clutter abundance clutter homeless clutter, and now we're going to talk about aspirational clutter, and this is a juicy topic. I love aspirational clutter because everybody's got it, and if you don't know what it is, it is items that have potential. So the classic aspirational clutter example is the treadmill. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, and what happens when we buy a treadmill is we think, yep, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to watch TV or listen to a podcast, a little home organized. Great idea. While I am exercising on my treadmill and you might do that for a little while, but it just never sticks. And then it's one of those fold up treadmills. So you kind of shove it in a corner. And then whenever you have a rainy day and you need some extra hanging space, there's the treadmill. <laughs> oh, but and that treadmill sits there because no, you are gonna get in shape. Yes, and you're you gonna, gonna get strengthen back to those it. bones by going for walks every morning on that treadmill. And you know what? Good intentions. Mm. It's all about that self betterment, the things that I want to do for myself or how I want to grow as a person. And you know, when I think about aspirational clutter that I've currently got at the moment, I've got these awesome little. They're these small glass jars that are designed for making your own dressings for salads and things like that oh that's very elaborate is it yeah oh so I'm lazy I just can't be bothered well I like the idea of knowing what's in my food oh fair call right and so like it's so simple to make your own dressings but it's the reason I haven't done it yet is I want to make sure it's a dressing that I make that I don't have to worry too much about when it goes off yes I want to have to, like, I have to think about having a variety and the effort that goes into making 
gift yes. and then putting it yeah, oh, there's just like a few things about it, but it's become like an effort for me. Even I was going really to say, do it. it sounds just too hard. But I figure if I make it once and put it in the um, in these little jars and then put it in the fridge and it can sit in there for no matter how long, I'm like, sweet, it's done. But it, I don't know. I've made a, a roadblock in my mind. But that's aspirational clutter. That is, oh, I'm going to be the person who makes their own dressings. I, that's why I'm keeping those jars. Mm. Jars are a big one. You know, yes. um, I'm going to keep these jars because they're really pretty for decorations for a party. And, or you know, I'm going to grow tea plants lights in them. them. I'm going to put plants in them. Yeah, like I can bring them out to decorate when, you know, it gives me options. Or I'm going to really get into making jams or whatever uh, it might be. And, you know, even potentially you're one of those people who wants to uh, go from plastics yes. over to glass. Yes. But you want to do it all at once and you want to yeah. make sure they're matching. And so you're storing them ready to do that, but you've never done it. Mm. Yeah, you know, things like that. Yeah, that's true. Or you're someone who wants to preserve all their own food and do all their own tomato paste and their posadas and stuff like that. And yeah, you're storing up the jars for when you get the time to finally switch over, but it just it just never happens. And it's especially when you feel really strongly about it. Like there's a lot of stuff in the kitchen for me where I'm like, I want to do that. I want to make a lot of my own stuff. You know, I make sauerkraut. I've been making my own sourdough bread. I... I brew kombucha tea. I've been doing that for a couple of Come years what? now. Kombucha. Yeah, see, we have this little disagreement about how to <laughs> how to pronounce this. What I do you think say? it's kombucha. Oh, I think it's kombucha. But I think it's just because you've been in America for too long. I mean, oh. you you say z you say z instead I, of z. I do say z. Yeah. I do say z. All right. Well, if you can let us know, we'll put a poll up on the face. Yeah, is it on kombucha or is it kombucha? Let's now, have a Now poll. I don't know which one I say. You say kombucha, baby. Kombucha, like You're boot. Kombucha, baby. Bucha, I'm a bucha, baby. The <laughs> point is I make it. And um, so I like doing lots of those things in the in the kitchen and I'd love to do more. And so that's why I hold on to this. Like I even do cheese making. Having said that, since I had my baby, I haven't actually done cheese making in about five months now. And it's really, it's not that hard. Like it doesn't take long and I really enjoy it, but it was like a timing thing. And so I think... You know, when you're looking at the the cluttery stuff that you have and it is aspirational, is it something that you're just putting off and you're like, no, I, I will get to it this year? Or is it something that you've been aspiring to do for 10 years and it's time to maybe take a step back and think, okay, am I actually going to do this? Mm. Yeah, I think of a client of mine a few years ago. He was a, an older gentleman in his 70s and he had a bike and we were doing the garage declutter. And um, I said to him, oh, you know, are you riding? Because he was quite overweight. He was such a sweet man. But he was quite overweight, had a lot of health problems and he was very stiff when he walked in that sort of thing. And I said, oh, uh, have you ridden lately? And he said, oh, no, it's been a while. And then I talked to his wife and his daughter and they said, I think, I think he last rode it 12 years ago or something. And um, I said, oh, and, you know, what's your doctor think about you riding? And um, he said, oh, yeah, no, probably shouldn't be doing it. I said, okay, so what do you want to do with this? And he's like, yeah, we should probably let it go. But had we not gone through that kind of discussion? It's challenging, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was like, I'm getting back on that bike one day. But he he had to get to a point where he needed to realise, actually, that's really dangerous for me now. Mm. I can't do it. Or I can't do it all. So think, let's use an example of, let's say you're a grandma now and you love making quilts. Mm -hmm. And you start your, your aspirational clutter is you start having end up with hundreds of quilting books mm. and hundreds of fabrics mm. and you don't have the time and you are well-meaning and intentional and you just really do want to make quilts but it's just not 
happened for you because of your life, that's when we have to start to look at this and think, oh, all this stuff, it isn't actually serving me. You know, mm. my aspirational clutter is, is too much. Maybe I need to pick, you know, one quilting project. It's also like when you see a catalogue coming through for roller skates. Oh, my gosh, roller skates are so cheap. I can get a pair for $59. And you're like, I've always wanted to learn to roller skate. So you buy those roller skates and they sit in the garage and you look at them and think, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to learn to roll a skate. How cool would that be? I know, so cool. And then they just sit there and years go by and all of a sudden those roller skates that you had great plans and intentions for become aspirational clutter because realistically, you've never wanted to do it enough to sacrifice something else and spend the time learning to do it. Yes. And this is the big message, right? Everything that we're talking about getting getting organized, decluttering is to create more time for you. Reclaim time for the things you love. If you have more time, if you do declutter your home, if you do get more organized, you get to a stage where you can just maintain your home, then these things that you're aspiring to do, you may find one, oh, actually, I don't even with all this time, I'm clearly not interested in it, as you mentioned, or two, you may find you suddenly have the time to be the person who roller skates. But we can't sit there and pre- like pretend and wait and assume that, the, that it's going to be the option B. It's a bit of a vicious circle because people will say to me, oh, I really want to do this and kind of hold on to it until we finish decluttering. And yes, for some of those things, absolutely go ahead and do it. But then for other people, that holding on to it until you've decluttered and gotten organized is actually the mentality and the mindset that's stopping you from getting organized in the first place. Yeah, And that's yep. why letting go of the old does make space for the new. So if you want new stuff or new opportunities or new relationships or new experiences to come into your life, that's where letting go of things from the past that are no longer serving you is really important. It's a beautiful thing to be someone who wants to aspire to be more and to do more. And I think that's that's wonderful. But I also think we do need to be a bit more realistic with our yeah. aspirations. Yeah. Now let's talk about the last type of clutter. Oh, this one's hard, isn't it? It is. Sentimental clutter. This is something that affects all of us and it is a really challenging topic. Yes, it is because we've all got stuff in our lives that is sentimental to us. And I think back to some clients I'm working with at the moment and the husband, he says, oh, I don't really have much stuff. Like I'm I'm not very sentimental, but you ask him to get rid of the uh, football jerseys or the kids' football jerseys, and he's like, "No way, Jose! That is my football team, and I'm not letting go of because that paraphernalia." It's sentimental, yeah. yeah. So we all have stuff that we love to hang on to, and that's—I think—that's okay. It's just about having the boundary and the space for it. Yeah. What limit are we putting on the things that we do value and hold sentimentally? Yeah. So what are the types of things that we would consider being sentimental clutter, Lil? Uh, okay. Let's start with photographs. Oh, I like, I can't even begin. But for those of us, especially who still have all these physical photos, like how once it's been physically printed and you can hold it and touch it in your hands and if, you know, in, engage with that memory, it is so hard to not feel sentimental, not have all these emotions come up when you look at a photo. Do you know, it's really interesting. I've had so many clients over the years, especially people who are grandparents, look at a photo of one of their grandchildren that they're not 
they're not using it's not in a frame there's digital copies of it Mm. and they can't let go of it they're like I feel like I'm throwing out that child Mm. and it's like a real physical feeling that you're letting go of just what is in essence a piece of paper that's been printed on but like there's this whole psychology behind that attachment we feel to it and that's what I find so fascinating oh yeah there's so so many things are sentimental there's things that we'd name and everyone would go oh yeah that's sentimental and then there's other things that is just particularly sentimental to a person. So a wedding dress mm. that you've hung on to because mm. it represents this amazing time when you got married. Yep. You know, maybe it's baby clothing, clothing that you put your children into that you have held on to and is really special to you and you want their children to try it and wear it as well. Maybe you did an amazing cruise or trip overseas. Hopefully not on the Ruby Princess. <laughs> Topical. Yes. Um, but, you know, maybe you went on this amazing trip and, you you know, you kept your plane ticket or, you know, like there's things that you keep and you hold on to and you're like, oh, when I look and hold this, I, I feel really strongly all these memories come up. Yes. And furniture is another really big one for people. Mm. So if you've had parents or grandparents or even great-grandparents who have – had you know amazing furniture maybe it's the the writing desk maybe it's grandmother's china like if you look back to kind of a hundred years ago people society um when you got married you would get other people's furniture passed down to you and you would be so grateful for it furniture for generations tells a story yes and nowadays when people get married it's like please just give us money so that we can buy stuff that we want let us buy our own furniture (laughs) and you know decorate our own house I um I have a sentimental item that our Alma and Opa our Dutch grandparents who are no longer with us had in their house and had for many many years the globe is no longer accurate because it's so old like obviously it got updated it is beautiful. Yes. And it when is. I look at it, I just feel connected to them. I often look at that and think, how did she end up with that? I wonder if she'd notice <laughs> if I just took it. And her I home. look at your opal ring and I think the same thing. <laughs> well, good thing we're so good at sharing, yeah. right? <laughs> We've but, got to teach our children that. <laughs> but there's these items and they just bring out like all these like it, these feelings. And that's and that's an interesting point though, especially when we talk about grandparents and holding on to the things from the generations before us with sentimental items, is it can really become clutter when we start to feel like we have to hold on to everything. Yes. And I think that's what's really important to remind ourselves is with all these types of clutter, they're all fine to have in small amounts, but it's when they become excess or abundant or things that are no longer serving us because they're aspirational, then that's when it becomes an issue. And we have got a couple of questions that if you've never decluttered before, these are the questions to ask yourself so that you can let go of the things that are no longer serving you. So firstly, look at this item. How does this item make me feel? So what I wanted to say about that one really quickly is if you've got something that's not sentimental, say it's a dress and you've gone to wear it a couple of times and it just makes you feel frumpy, but yet you keep trying to hopefully wear it one day and it'll make you feel better. Keep trying to make it work. Yeah. Let it go. If that item is making you feel negative every time you try and wear it or look at it, let it go. Let it fulfill its potential with somebody else. So firstly, how does this item make me feel? Secondly, do I have more than one? Thirdly, have I used this in the last two years? 
And you can change that. If you're someone who gets rid of things regularly, you might say, okay, I'm going to look at the boundary of six months. Have I used it in the last six months? If you're someone who likes to hold on to things a little bit more, maybe you're going to use the boundary of five years. This is all very personal. You've got to make it work for you. Next, is this part of my past, present or future? Like Bonnie was talking about earlier. It may have served you in a previous time, but is this a part of your presence now? Is it actually going to be a part of your future going forward? That's right. Am I using this item to its full potential? A book is to be read. Are you reading it or can somebody else get that joy out of it? Would this item be easy or cheap to replace if needed? And my favourite question, Mm. what's the worst that could happen if I let it go? And one of the things that really helped me get into the decluttering process and embrace letting go of things is knowing that when you let go of something, you can be giving it a new life by passing it on to someone else who might really need it. So potentially you're donating it to a certain charity that's going to give it specifically to someone who's going to get such joy and practical use out of it. And that's really, like, that makes it easier to know, like, if I can donate responsibly. Yes. And that's why I think a lot of clients love giving stuff to us because they know that we're really passionate about making sure that their donations go to a good home. And on that note, I will mention, um, if you are local in Brisbane, you sh- you can head to the Little Misorganised website. You actually have a donations cheat sheet. I really love it because it really clearly shows oh, I have baby clothing. Where should I send that? And so you can look for the item and then see the different organisations that are best appropriate to send that item. Yes. And if you're ever not sure, feel free to reach out to us and ask and we can um, definitely point you in the right direction as well. Yes, we're all about the networking and the resources. Now, if you've never decluttered before and you're wondering where do I start, let's talk about this week's tidy task because this one is just for you. So we often find that our bedside drawers have got a mixture of clutter in there. We've got sentimental items like our... um, baby's hospital bands and maybe Mother's Day artwork that our kids have given us, that sort of thing, mixed in with books that we're reading, hand creams that we may or may not be using, that kind of thing. So the tidy task this week is I would like you to go through your bedside table. So if you've got too many drawers, just pick one drawer to start with and pull everything out, give the drawer a wipe over and actually do a sort through and see what types of clutter do you actually have in there is is this hand cream something useful that you're going to use or do you have five of them and it becomes abundance clutter because there's too many? So work out what is in your bedside table, sort it into the type of clutter that it is and make some decisions on whether it's going to stay in your home or go elsewhere. And that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We know how busy life can be and we really appreciate you lending us your ears. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world.